Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is April 29th. Today we're going to continue in Exodus 32 and see some of the aftermath of this golden calf experience. If you'll remember, the children of Israel asked Aaron to make a golden calf in the absence of Moses. He had been gone for a while and they didn't know where he was or if he was coming back. And so they asked Aaron to make a god for them to worship. Aaron does. He asks for their gold. He crafts it. He makes it and tells them that this is the God that delivered you from Egypt. But when Moses comes back with the higher law, he then breaks the higher law because clearly they can't keep it. And he talks to Aaron about it. And Aaron kind of justifies, he rationalizes, and the Lord is upset. Moses is upset. And at the end of Exodus chapter 32, we see something really interesting about repentance and about change. Because here at the end of Exodus chapter two, the people who are left here with Moses are the people who wanted to repent of the mistakes that they had made, who wanted to repent for turning away from the true God back to idols. Now let's take a look at what Moses says to this group of repentant people. Verse 29, it says, for Moses had said, consecrate yourself to the Lord, even every man upon his son and upon his brother, that he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. So he's asking for them to turn their selves, their hearts back over to the Lord. And then listen to what he says. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, ye have sinned a great sin. And now I will go up unto the Lord. Peradventure, I shall make an atonement for your sin, meaning perhaps I can make an atonement for your sin. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. And now, if thou wilt, forgive their sin. And if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book, which thou hast written. Now, remember, here in the Old Testament, we are going to find the most fulfillment in the scriptures as we look for the Savior in these Old Testament characters. And here is a beautiful example of it. Moses is talking to the people who have repented, and he asks them to turn themselves, to turn their hearts back over to the Lord. And then he goes up to the Lord again, and he says, look, forgive these people their sins. Forgive them their mistakes. But if not, don't blot them out from your books. Blot me out instead. Moses goes to the Lord and acts as a mediator with God, asks to take their punishment for them. Blot me out instead of these people. I'll take it for them so that they can still come back to you. Now, I absolutely love looking at these verses as this symbol of the Savior and of what he did. Because I think that sometimes when we think about repentance, when we think about the atonement of Jesus Christ, we act like the atonement or we think like the atonement is just a giant eraser, right? We make a mistake, we repent, and then the Lord comes in with his big eraser and he erases it. And with erasing it, he erases all the consequences for sin, all the negative effects of sin. And it's as if it never happened. And my friends, that's not the case. The Savior doesn't get rid of our sins by erasing them. 
He gets rid of our sins by taking them on himself as if he were the one to have sinned rather than you and I. In that way, he acts as a mediator for us. He does what Moses does here. Put the sin on me, put the consequence on me rather than letting it be on the people. When the Savior suffered in Gethsemane, it wasn't just some mass block of pain. He was literally taking upon himself your mistakes and my mistakes, not so that he would have the power to erase them, but so that he could go before the Lord and said, I have paid the price. Justice has been paid by me so that now you can extend mercy to them. In the Book of Mormon, in Alma chapter 42, Alma is teaching his son about redemption, about God's plan of redemption. And in it, he talks and teaches about how justice and mercy come together to form a perfect plan. Starting in verse 14, it says, And thus we see that all mankind were fallen, and they were in the grasps of justice, yea, the justice of God, which consigned them forever to be cut off from his presence. Now that feels harsh and it sounds harsh, but God, the scriptures teach us, would cease to be God if he didn't obey his own laws. And one of the laws of God is the law of justice. And so here it says that we, all of us, every single one of us, by nature of our fallen state, by nature of our mistakes, we are all cut off from God and we are all subject to that law of justice and to be consumed by justice. But look what Alma continues to teach. He says, and now the plan of mercy could not be brought about except an atonement should be made. Therefore, God himself atoneth for the sins of the world to bring about the plan of mercy, to appease the demands of justice, that God might be a perfect, just God and a merciful God also. Jesus Christ brought to pass the atonement so that mercy could be applied. In the Garden of Gethsemane, on Golgotha's hill, he did in a very universal way what Moses did here for the children of Israel. Give me the consequence of sin. Let me suffer that consequence so that mercy can be extended to them. He doesn't just erase our sins with a magic eraser. He takes those consequences upon himself, suffers them himself, so that the demands of justice can be met and mercy can be extended. Elder Packer says it this way, By eternal law, mercy cannot be extended unless there be one who is both willing and able to assume our debt and pay the price and arrange the terms for our redemption. We would forever be in the grasps of justice were it not for a Savior who was willing and able to assume our debt, pay the price for our sin, and offer us that mercy. Knowing that we would make mistakes, he created a plan that would allow for both justice and mercy so that we could repent, so that we could experience redemption, and so that we could return to him again someday. In fact, I love Aaron in this story because here you read all about Aaron and you just want to 
shake your head and say, Aaron, come on, man. What were you thinking? But look at who Aaron becomes. The priesthood is named after Aaron because of who Aaron is. He goes on to become this powerhouse of a priesthood holder. And he can do that because of the atonement of Jesus Christ. Because of the atonement, because of redemption, Aaron could become more than the mistakes that he made. Elder Duncan once said that none of us should be defined by the worst thing we've ever done. And I'm sure that Aaron is so grateful that that's true. My friends, I testify that because of the atonement of Jesus Christ, none of us have to be defined by our mistakes. Rather, we get to be refined by our repentance. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.